Hello, everyone. Glad you could join us on the Real People, Real God podcast. We'll spend the next little while getting to know God a little bit better by getting into the Bible and hearing what He has to say to us and through us. Welcome. Welcome back to the podcast. It's good to have you. I'm Pastor Tim Howard, and we are ready to dive into the Word of God. The last episode, we talked a little bit about the break that I had and uh, for the last three or four months and why that was so. And uh, I hope that made sense. I don't have any intentions of scaring anyone uh, or anything like that. Um, so I encourage you, just listen. Just listen, take notes, and uh, search the scriptures for yourself and just see what the Holy Spirit teaches you because. You know, he's amazing like that. He just doesn't anoint the words that comes from the teacher mouth, teacher's mouth. He also anoints the ears that hear the word. So you can hear something completely different from what I intended to say. And that's because the Holy Spirit is at work. He's teaching us, showing us how to be more like Christ every day. And uh, in, to, in that process, um, he, he uses his anointing to do so. So just... Um, just ask right now, just ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, just open my ears. Help me to hear what it is that you want me to learn today and want me to know today. Lord, that I might be more like Christ. So we just give it to you today. Amen. So, hey, and also I want to remind you as you study scripture, please, please keep the goal or let's say the prize in the forefront of your mind. Remember, we study scripture so we can understand God's plan for our lives and his interaction with us better, which is really about the plan of salvation. And so if you're studying and Jesus and the plan of salvation is not the goal, then you need to really be cautious and careful um, because we can get lost in word games, we can get lost in, in scripture because we're trying to find new knowledge instead of the knowledge of Christ. So anyway, just a little encouragement. So let's let's jump in. Let's jump in. As I talked about, I used an example last episode of um, the word baptism. So let's just start in uh, Matthew chapter 3, and I'm going to kind of read directly from some of my notes, um, but also I'll kind of give a um, also a, a little commentary on some of my notes, uh, because I want to make sure that, uh, I hit everything. So I'm just going to read the first few scriptures, maybe the first six verses, and then we'll go back and talk about it. So Matthew chapter three, I'm reading from the new King James, um, in this case, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand for this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. Okay, we'll hold it right there, and we'll just kind of start talking... Uh, uh, through this. So first off, John the Baptist is the only person recorded in scripture, uh, at least that I've found with the, um, I guess it's not so much his surname, but the way we read it in scripture, it is um, John the Baptist. Um, so actually he would have been called John, the son of Zachariah would have been his name back then. 
But we have all come to um, know him as John the Baptist. And so if we um, look that word up, we're going to find um, that same Greek word that I talked about last last episode. Uh, and the Greek word for baptize is a baptizo. So we're going to see um, John the baptizo, and it would be uh, like baptizer, um, whichever form, Greek form of that word that would be. So, um, so that's what he was known as, John the Baptist. Um, and so Matthew calls him that, um, John, it would be John, is John the one who baptizes, um, but we all know him as John the Baptist. So he came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Now, you know, a preacher, if you've not um, studied this throughout Scripture, you'll find that a, a preacher is simply one who proclaims, one who um, essentially speaks out and proclaims some kind of of information or uh, teaching or something like that. So this is who John is. Um, a, a preacher was is was known as like a like a herald. Um, and proclaiming in the Old Testament was to speak out a specific announcement to others. Uh, so that was the Old Testament reference to uh, what it would mean to be a preacher. So um, John did that. He, he proclaimed um, this, the uh, uh, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That was his message, essentially. Um, and uh, this is what he did. So he went around speaking this, and I'm sure he explained it too. But that was the message, repent for the kingdom of heaven as at hand. So we'll talk about that in just a minute. So uh, he preached it in the wilderness. And this is kind of interesting. Now we can also look into the account in Luke 2 and see very similar. It's a very similar situation here that uh, it was in the wilderness. Um, and uh, it says he, was, he came preaching in the wilderness in verse 1, wilderness of Judea. And, uh, so, so the desert, the wilderness, I mean, we know about the wilderness, don't we? So here's my example of, uh, biblical context first, before we start looking anywhere else. So where have we seen wilderness before? Well, we've seen it quite a few places, but mainly we've seen it in, uh, Israel. Um, when they left, uh, Egypt, and they went into the wilderness. So uh, they took forty years to do a forty-day trip because of their sin and disobedience. So um, that was a wilderness. Um, we also find wilderness um, with uh, the temptations of Christ. So we also find that, um, which is coming up here. Um, so here's my point with context. Um, it it matters because if it was written. Uh, in a time, you know, uh, and translated in a time, uh, then we can use that same timeline to better understand what meanings are. So in the wilderness, wilderness of Judea, it means just that in the wilderness. Um, maybe it was a desert, maybe it was just a place, you know, trees. And, you know, for those that have been in that area, they can explain that and you can certainly look it up online. Um, but the wilderness, but I also want to suggest to you that, um, the wilderness is not only a physical location, but it's also, I believe, a spiritual location. And we'll get a better understanding of this as, as we read a little bit. Um, so he was in the wilderness, um, and 
so this um, make this brings a question to our mind: Why is John preaching in the wilderness? You think he would preach where the people are, right? So there'd be people to hear his message, but he's in the wilderness. Um, so we would think they would be like, and see, here's, here's our Western, our modern Western thought process is we'd be thinking they'd be on a street corner in New York city or, or some other town across the country preaching like we see so many preachers do. And we're thinking, man, that's the way to really get people to hear you. But in this case, he was in the wilderness. Um, so why the wilderness? Well, first thought is, is that where a lot of people are? Um, we know the wilderness of Judea, wilderness uh, around the Jordan. Um, there were cities nearby, but it also says, I believe in the Luke version, that people came out to him. And so I think the, the, the thing to understand here is um, the wilderness is not just the location. Look at this. Once again, we're going to use the Bible to interpret the Bible. So in Ezekiel chapter 19, um, let me see if I can uh, find that scripture for you real quick and read that, because this is uh, really neat when we use the Bible to translate the Bible. Um, Ezekiel 19, and what I did there to find this, just so you know, so maybe you can do this, um, is uh, I looked um, up wilderness in the uh, Septuagint, which is the Greek uh, Old Testament, the Old Testament translated into Greek a couple hundred years before Jesus was born. And um, I found wilderness in, in quite a few, lo- well, several locations. And so I got the understanding of what usage, what biblical usage um, wilderness was used for. And this is what I come up with. In Ezekiel 19, um, there's going to be a a scripture, a verse that talks about being in the wilderness. And um, I'm not going to be able to find it. It's, uh, oh, I'm looking in the wrong. Let me look here real quick. Ezekiel 19. I think we should get in the habit of uh, trying to learn to use Scripture to interpret Scripture first. That'd be the first method. And then if in the event that you can't find anything, that you know, you can go to other, other methods that I'm sure we'll discuss down the road um, so you can get a good understanding. Um, uh, let's see here. So in Ezekiel 19... Uh, let me see, where should I start? Um, uh, let's see, let me find a good spot. I didn't plan on reading this, that's why I'm having a problem finding it. Uh, okay, here we go, I found it. Now this is talking about Israel's degradation. Um, this is like a lamentation, it says in verse 1, for the princes of Israel. But I want to jump down to... Um, verse 12 and 13 to get a better 
grip. Um, you can read the whole chapter 19 to get more context, but for the sake of this, so verse 12, but she was plucked up in a fury. She was cast down to the ground and the east wind dried her fruit. Her strong branches were broken and withered. The fire consumed them. Verse 13. And now she is planted in the wilderness in a dry and thirsty land. Okay. I will stop right there. So this is a lamentation of, um, what's happening to Israel because of its disobedience. Um, you know, essentially, you know, the exile and so on. So we see this wilderness. Now she is planted in the wilderness. So think about the wilderness. The wilderness is a place where, um, you know, there's could potentially be wild animals where it's a vast, uh, nothingless or it's open. Um, no people, no, no cities, no, um, you know, just pretty much nothing. You're alone, maybe even helpless, um, no guidance, no direction. So this, these are the thoughts we think of when we think of wilderness. And so Israel is planted in the wilderness, Ezekiel is, is saying, it's because of her disobedience. And he goes through in chapter 19 of all these different things, um, you know, that, that, that came. And this was written to the princes of Israel, um, you know, uh, about being lost in the wilderness. And so if we bring that into context with uh, the understanding of what a wilderness is and why the wilderness, um, we can kind of make the connection here with what we're seeing in in uh, Matthew chapter 3 with John. Israel is planted in the wilderness. So this is the result of Israel's disobedience. Um, so Israel, uh, essentially now when John the Baptist comes on the scene, is in the situation where Israel is lost. And in the wilderness, whether they're in a physical wilderness, which I believe many were, but also even if they were in the cities, there was a wilderness. And it's simply because several hundred years ago, they had disobeyed God and the result was exile. Some of them came back, the remnant, um, and rebuilt the temple and so on. But there were no prophets. The Bible doesn't record any prophets hearing from God and speaking to the people um, since that time. And there were, uh, uh, you know, three, four hundred years, something like that, between the time that the last prophet spoke that we know about until the time that John the Baptist came speaking. And so, you know, we have this um, wilderness this spiritual wilderness, this physical wilderness. So when we talk about John the Baptist being in the wilderness, he was where God wanted him to be, but he was also where the people were to hear his message. And so people would come out to him and, you know, he would baptize them for the remission of sins and so on. Um, but uh, the whole idea is is the wilderness, the place without God, the the place of hopelessness, the place of being weary and and uh, no direction. And he was preparing the way for the Lord. So he he was br- he was um, starting the process, I guess, of bringing them back to a place of hope, and that hope would be in in Christ. Um, so. This is, you know, this wilderness is representative of loneliness. Maybe we've been there. You know, maybe we've reached a, a point in our lives and our walk with God where, you know, we felt like we were in a wilderness for one reason or another. Um, but wilderness essentially, you know, being feeling like you're without God um, and, and kind of being alone and, and weary. So in this sense, um, the wilderness would be a place without having God and being um 
being lonely as a result. Uh, this is much like the wilderness wanderings of Israel early on. Um, and this is a physical and spiritual wandering. So put some thought into that. That's a, that kind of adds a little bit of con- a little bit more context and understanding about this wilderness, um, that it wasn't just, just a physical place. It was a combination of physical and a spiritual place. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, it's clear that, you know, he lived in a wilderness. Um, he, he lived, uh, some would think like a wild man, but, uh, he lived depending on God to supply his needs. Um, so it's important that, you know, oftentimes that when, when somebody is, is helping somebody else that's going through something, it helps if they went through it as well. For example, I'll give you the best example is Jesus. You know, he's went th- went through as a man more than we could ever. He went through temptations that we'll never have to face. Um, and he went through ones that we have faced. So he's been there and done that. Um, and so when we do that, if somebody's been through a rough time in their life, whatever it might be, they're able to uh, be able to relate to somebody that's going through that so they can help them because they can say, you know, there's no way they can say, well, you would never understand. Oh, no, I do understand. I was there. So John the Baptist living in the wilderness, even though uh, he was filled from the Spirit, he was filled with the Spirit, with the Holy Spirit before he was even born. Um, and I believe that the Spirit of God was with him his life. Um, but yet he was in the wilderness. He was living what he was um, relieving the people from. So he knew what the wilderness was like because he knew it physically. He probably understood it to a point spiritually. And so he was able to share with the people that were coming to him in the wilderness. He could relate and uh, therefore that uh, qualified him, for lack of a better word, to be able to to share with them this message of repenting. Um, In other words, you know, Let's let's get out of the wilderness and get back to hope. Um, so that's essentially uh, what it was doing. But um, we also see a scene in Matthew nine thirty six, which is kind of a pretty important scene. Um, it's it's just a it's just a verse or two long, but it's it's kind of significant. All scripture is, but it's kind of significant to what we're talking about. Um, so in, in in Matthew nine thirty six, um, Jesus. Uh, of course, is on scene, and let me grab the scripture so I can read it to you, so you'll so you'll know exactly. Um, so, and and Jesus, um, you know, he goes to the villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing sicknesses and diseases. Um, but in verse thirty six in Matthew nine thirty six, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Um, so this is how Jesus found, I guess, or he saw the state of the people when he uh, began to do his ministry. He saw that they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Well, this is the wilderness. This is exactly what he's explaining there. This is the wilderness. He doesn't use the word wilderness, but that's what he's talking about. Um, so he, he's, he's recognizing the spiritual 
wilderness, the spiritual hopelessness that the people have. There's no leader. And, and, and ultimately, if something's happening in the spiritual, uh, you know, in our spirits or whatever, then it's going to affect the physical. You know, that's just a matter of time. And so the people were weary, scattered, no, no leader, no shepherd to teach them and to talk to them and speak to them. You know, they were under Roman oppression, we know. Um, and so they were just kind of wandering around, you know, what do we do? Where do we go? You know, it's been hundreds of years, generations have passed. We haven't heard from God. We have to rely on the old Testament prophets, you know, which is not a bad thing. Um, but we haven't heard anything new, you know, what, uh, what do we do? Where do we go? What, you know, he saw that the people were diseased. Um, that's, this means they were oppressed by Satan, um, you know, he, he teached, he taught them, um, and, uh, prayed with them. And he was just really moved with compassion because he saw their state. So this is the state of the wilderness is being weary and scattered. And, uh, and Luke chapter three tells us that John received the word of the Lord in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming the gospel, um, so he did, he went around the Jordan and people from the cities came out to him. Uh, once they heard, you know, now remember they had no shepherd, you know, they were tired, spiritually worn out, emotionally worn out, physically worn out, but they hear of this guy that's baptizing people, dunking them in the water, uh, and preaching this, this message of repent. And of course we know repentance has a lot to do with God, you know, throughout the scripture. So they're like, well, well, what's happening? What's going on here? I need to get out here and he would hear what he has to say. Maybe I need to be baptized again so I can get out of this stinking wilderness I'm in, you know, so they go out to him and they begin to hear this message. And, uh, you know, so, uh, it was a message of hope, you know, John was, was preparing them to get out of the wilderness, you know, um, just like those 40 years that Israel wandered in the desert, they had to be prepared to leave the desert, um, because they weren't the first 40 days and because of their disobedience. Now, you know, John's telling them, look, you need to get rid of the sin. We need to repent. We need to get that out of your life. Um, so you can be ready to move out of the wilderness back into the place God has called you. Same way with Israel. You know, God says, you know, we got to run you around this thing 40 years for the next generation to come up so we can get all this sin of disobedience out of you so you can move into your new land. Jesus essentially was a representation of their new land. So this is what John uh, was was doing. Um, <clears throat> so the message that John proclaimed was a message of repentance. Now we know what repentance means, but let me, um, let me say this again, because it's important that we understand repent means to change the mind or to change one's outlook, I guess. So, um, it means to no longer do the sin, but it also at the same time means to not just prohibit ourselves from doing the act, but change our heart or our mind in understanding why we shouldn't do that act. In other words, to not want to do it anymore. So repentance uh, is a change of mind, essentially, um, from that sin to something, you know, to not doing that sin anymore. So um, that's what it means. Uh, so this is the same idea. Repentance is the same idea 
when God represents his judgment uh, or repents from his judgment. Once again, I'm using the Bible to translate the Bible. I used the word repent. I looked it up in the Septuagint to try to get an understanding of Old Testament usage so I can uh, get a better grip of, of how it was used during that time. So Amos 7.3 and Amos 7.6 talks about God repenting from his judgment. Now, God, this is, God doesn't sin, so I'm not saying he repented from sin, but he had a judgment uh, for the people because of their sin, and he repented from that. In other words, he changed his mind from that sin or from that judgment and did not do it. So it, it's not a perfect uh, example, but it is an example of the change of mind. So that's that's what it means. So there's over 34 occurrences of the word repent in the New Testament of the uh, King James Version. And listen to this. All of them reference man repenting from sin and evil. So what must this be telling us? What is the Holy Spirit telling us if we see in the New Testament of the King James Version, um, if we see uh, over 34 occurrences of the word repent? So it's interesting because in in Hebrew and uh, um, and other languages too, other original Aramaic and so, but when you go back to Hebrew, you'll find that um, they didn't use, you know, punctuation when they wanted to accent something. Um, they said it a couple ways, but one, th- one thing they would do is they'd say it, um, several times in a row. And so you understand, Hey, wait a minute. They, they really meant that. And so think about that on a larger scale, you know, Jesus or uh, the Holy Spirit's used the word, uh, he inspired the writers to use the word repent 34 times in the new Testament. So he's accenting something for us as the reader. Um, he's trying to tell us something that this repentance is truly a really big deal and it matters, you know, so we cannot underestimate repentance. We can't just say that, Oh, the Lord will forgive me. You know, I'm just going on with it. That's not good enough. That's not going to work. Repentance is to stop doing it, to change our mindset on it, and to stop doing the sin. And if it's a sin we're having problems with, then we need to keep working at it and not give up. A repentant heart is a key to our surrender to Jesus Christ. We have to be willing um, to take our sin, uh, the sin we know about and the sin we don't know about, and, and work to not do it anymore because it's an abomination to God, um, and it's not. Uh, we can't go to heaven with 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 sin. We've got to do something with the sin. Um, so anyhow, that's what repentance is about. Um, so it's a very very big deal. Um, so John proclaims. He preaches. He proclaims the kingdom of God is at hand. Um, this means the kingdom. Uh, rule of God. The kingdom is the rule of God. It means his rule. The rule of God is um, is at hand, which means it's near. It's, it's, it's either here or near or both. Um, so we look at this. Well, the rule of God are, is already established, right? I mean, he's God over all things. I mean, certainly we know Job talks about it. We know the psalmist talks about it and so many other places. God is over all things. And um, uh, Psalm uh, 103, 19, and many other scriptures confirm God's sovereign rule. Um, so, well, this gives us leads us to the question, well, 
if his kingdom is already established, um, then what rule is at hand or, or why is his rule at hand? Why is it near now? Um, so first to, to understand what the word at hand means. Um, uh, so, uh, it means near, it means, um, now or ever here, even here. Um, so how would the people who heard, heard this message react? I think that's what we got to think about here. What did the people at that time, how did they take this? Now we weren't there, but we can maybe make a couple of guesses. Um, would they have known that God already reigns over all things? I mean, they would know that, wouldn't they? Certainly they would. But remember, they had been without the word, fresh new word of God for several hundred years. No prophets had spoke anymore. Um, and they were weary, they were scattered, and they were in the wilderness, spiritually and many of them physically. And so to them, many of them, there was no kingdom of God. They didn't recognize it. They haven't seen it. Many had lost hope. They had no shepherd. They had no leader. You know, they were listening to the, the Pharisees who were teaching their their interpretations and their own things. You know, um, it was more about uh, doing the wrong things as opposed to doing the right things. You know, they were always told what was going on, what they were doing wrong, etc. And uh, so uh, here, um, here comes John saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of, for the rule of God is here. That's what he's saying. And uh, so I can imagine from their perspective, um, that probably gave them a lot of hope. Man, we haven't heard anything like this in a long time. You know, I'm sure there were some people that were, you know, claiming to be the Messiah and stuff like this. They weren't. Um, it didn't take long before they were found out. But man, this message, the kingdom, the rule of God, the kingdom of God is near. Um, so, uh, so essentially this was kind of to, new to them. Um, and, uh, we find in Malachi chapter three, verse seven, God tells Israel that he will return to them if they return to him. Now, this is really cool. So, um, if we then, you know what, I've got to find that and I've got to read that to you because man, this is so exciting how the word of God just comes together when you allow the word to interpret itself where it can. Now, we don't want to make things happen that weren't intend that didn't that God didn't intend to happen, but at the same time, if we just open our eyes to the whole scripture, we will find some interesting things that really back it up. Um, so in Malachi uh, 3, 7, yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Listen to this. He says, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Um, so here we go. And he says, but you said, in what way shall we return? Hmm, interesting. What way shall we return? Well, here is the way. <laughs> here is the way. John, God sends John out before Jesus to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, um, you know, here's your opportunity. God um, 
God is, is, is coming to you. When you come out to the wilderness, when you come out to make your effort, to take your effort to repent because my kingdom rule is here, then I am there as well. And he is there in the life of Jesus, in which they soon find out about that. So that's what's so exciting. John was promising them something that was there, wait, the soon to be waiting on them. And that is Jesus who gives the message of hope, gives the message of life. And so these people that were in the wilderness and weary and scattered and so on, here was their hope. The kingdom of God, the rule of God was there in Christ Jesus in the anointed one of God. And they would hear his messages. They would see his miracles. They would hear his words and his, his plan of salvation. And uh, so uh, that, that must have been so exciting for those that chose to believe. Um, so this is the rule that God was, was showing them. Um, so although God still ruled over all things, the disobedient people uh, did not live under his blessing and prosperity. Okay, so you remember Deuteronomy 28, you know, where uh, it was 27, 28, 29 in there, where he talks about, if you f uh, listen to me, follow my commands, I will bless you. This will be your blessing. This will be your blessing and so on. But if you do not, then this will happen, this will happen, and this one. It was really clear, you know, stay, follow my word, and I'll take care of you. Don't follow my word, you're on your own. And so Israel, guess what? In time, did not listen. And so they were on their own. They were subject to whatever happened, whatever judgment God put on them. And uh, so here they are now, you know, out of, out from under God's rule, essentially, many of them, and so here comes, here comes John with the message, you know, Hey, he's back. He's back. God's back. You know, now get ready for him. Get ready for him. Uh, he's actually here in the flesh. Get ready for him. And, uh, so that must've been really exciting. Um, so, uh, we're going to end, um, right there for right now. Um, and, uh, uh, my goodness, this is just so exciting. We've, we've got so much to uncover and discover, uh, in the word of God. And, uh, uh, I can't wait to, to get into more of it with you. Um, but, uh, as I said, please, uh, communicate with me, reach out to me, walking faith at outlook.com, walking faith at outlook.com. And uh, reach out to me about this. Maybe you've got some things to add. Um, comment wherever you get your podcast. Comment. Let others see it. Um, but uh, I just appreciate you taking this journey with me. I just have this um, this desire on my heart just to share God's word in in the way I see it. Um, please take what I've uh, what I've shared with you. Take your notes, study it, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal things to you. Um, I'm I'm not a one and all. I, I'm just trying to do what, what God lays on my heart. And what he lays on my heart is subject to this, this uh, um, finite brain that I have. Um, so I just want to share his heart, um, my heart with you. So comment, let me know, let me hear from you. And uh, we'll start there um, where we left off. Uh, next episode. Uh, but thank you for listening and God bless. We're so glad you could join us for this episode of the Real People, Real God podcast. You can support this podcast by visiting www.valleyviewchapel.net and click on the donate button. 
music was by Kevin McLoyd, and my name is Tim Howard. Until next time, may the Spirit of God continue to teach you His ways.